Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the line, we are going to talk some college football with Rena Garcia from Local 5. We are Iowa. She's sports director over there. Rena, it's been an interesting few weeks since last we talked. Yeah, well, it was already crazy, uh, but little did we know after, at the end of our conversation that it was going to get a whole lot crazier, and it's only continued since then. <laughs> and let me, let me preface this by saying we are recording on August 22nd at about 1.30 in the afternoon. So there's a chance that this may be out of date within the next five minutes. Who knows at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, at this rate, I would not doubt it. <laughs> so here we are. We're uh, less than two weeks away from the start of college football here in the state of Iowa. Uh, both Iowa and Iowa State are going to be kicking off their season on September 2nd. And it's been kind of interesting because both teams are dealing with the gambling stuff. And there is definitely, I think at least, a better feeling on one side of the state than the other. Is that fair to say, Rena? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt Iowa State is more affected by this just because, you know, they have several starters that yeah. have, have been charged. And, you know, obviously the, the first one we heard about was Hunter Deckers. Yes. And, you know, he's your starting quarterback. That, you know, was the one that kind of put people on alert. I mean, that's a, that's a huge deal. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, little did we know there would be more Jairo Brock and Sean Hanica, Isaiah Lee, Jake Rimsburg. I mean, all these guys that are starters. And it's just, it's not something you want as you're preparing for, for an upcoming season. No. You know, the crazy thing, too, is we still don't know, at least the public, uh, and it seems like coaches at this point don't know either what the punishments will be as far as the NCAA goes. So I think, you know, obviously the criminal charges are important, but I think the real uh, thing they're paying attention to, the coaches want to know is, will our players lose their eligibility for good? Yeah. Or what's that going to look like? And that is a really tough spot to be in two weeks before the season starts. You know, the, the whole gambling thing on a whole, I, you know what, I don't care if the kids want to do it, but the thing that I thought was crazy about this, and it was the moment, it was the two things that really stuck out to me is one, you, if you're using someone else's identity to do it, that's it, that's never going to work, you know? The other thing is betting on your own team. In the history of sports, when has that ever been a good idea? Yeah, it, there's very um, pretty prominent examples of where that went really, really bad and um, continues to, you know, be an, uh, considered like an unforgivable offense. Yeah. So, but, you know, maybe, you know, these kids are pretty young, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they didn't know who Pete Rose was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, I feel like everyone does, you know. I don't know. Those are the two things that stuck out to me. One, using someone else's identity if they did do it, and the betting on your own team has just never been a good idea. So The coaches have mentioned this too, and I know this from my own experience as a, a former Division One athlete, is you do have to go through compliance meetings, and they address a lot of topics in those, but one of them is, is gambling, and they you know, kind of lay it out plain for you. You, you, you don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. For a lot of reasons, you're underage, you're an NCAA athlete. Um, so it's just best to steer clear. And so, like you were saying, it, you know, it's one thing if they want to bet on, you know, NBA games, NFL games, you know, but it's the betting on your own games that I think is where a lot of people felt yeah. like the red flags were because then you have to pull into question, well, were results in any way altered? And it's just, you yeah. know, you get into that territory and that can be really problematic, you know, especially for, you know, Kirk Ferentz, Matt Campbell. It's just, you know, how do you, how do you handle that? Yeah. You don't even want to think about the possibility if, if that's even 
you know, yeah. in the realm of what could be going on. So, yeah, I, I think it was the betting on your own game, the, one, the part that really caught a lot of people's attention. And I think a lot of, you know, people have admitted, you know, in leadership position, I mean, Kirk Ferentz even said it at his media day, you know, he said that, you know, I think everyone probably needs to do a better job of not yeah. only educating these players, but themselves because, you know, gambling has become a huge industry. It's becoming legal in all these states, and it's so accessible. It's everywhere. It's advertised everywhere. And so, you know, of course there's going to be that temptation for these yeah. young guys to, to want to do it. And, you know, um, so I, I do think that's a part of it is maybe um, the education needs to kind of yeah. uh, evolve and kind of catch up to the times that we're in with betting being just everywhere now. Again, I don't care that they betted. I really don't. I don't care if, you know, yeah. one guy made 40 grand off. Good for him. But when you bet on your <laughs> own team or change your identity, that's uh, it's like, okay, that's probably not going to end well. But anyways, uh, we'll get to the actual football preview now. Let's jump into Iowa State. Uh, of course, they had the news this week. Uh, that it is now official. Jairo Brock has walked away from the team. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say they were probably planning it on him not being there. But, man, you lose your starting quarterback, uh, you know, a month or so before your starting running back. What's it looking like for Iowa State right now? Yeah, it's certainly not the, the situation you <laughs> want to be in. But I, but I do think they maybe had an idea that this was coming. I mean, back at Iowa State's media day, Matt Campbell did mention that General Brock was practicing. Um, so I think this is something they started to plan for. Um, but it, it's interesting to see. I mean, you know, General Brock was injured a lot. He battled some injuries last year, and the running game was just a bit of a struggle. So, um, you know, even though he was their leading rusher, I wouldn't say that he's an irreplaceable guy, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And, you know, with Cortavius Norton, hopefully healthy this year. I know he had some injuries. Um, so I don't think that's as big of, a, of an issue as it looks like, it, you know, on the surface. But I think the quarterback thing is going to be really interesting to see play out because you essentially have two guys um, battling for that position in Rocco Beck and J.J. Cole, both relatively inexperienced. I mean, you have J.J. Cole, the true freshman, and you have uh, Rocco Beck, who only played, I think, what, three, appeared in three yeah. games last season. Um, so fairly young, but, I mean, I think it's a good good way to start fresh. I mean, you have a new offensive coordinator, Nate Shieldhouse, and so I think this actually, I don't want to say best-case scenario for them, but I think it it's not horrible because it gives you a chance to start fresh almost across the board. Um, and I think that is what they need this season, just considering all the inconsistency in, uh, on offense last year. And I think that really played a role in why the season didn't pan out the way they had hoped. They reminded me of Iowa a couple of years ago when they went four and eight and they had like seven games. And it was the same thing for Iowa State last year where they had you know, how many games that it was one possession where that season could have been much different mm-hmm. if the ball rolled a little bit different, you know? Yeah, well, I was actually just looking at my notes. I think it was actually seven games this last yeah. season that were decided by seven points or less for a, a lot of reasons, whether it was a miss, you know, a few missed field goals or, you know, just not being able to execute in the red zone. And so it, it's kind of crazy to think that as much as they struggled, they still were a coin flip essentially away from having a winning record and possibly being one of the better teams in the Big 12. So I think this year is a really good chance for them to kind of reset um, and try and get those things ironed out 
um, and, and get on the right track. I mean, obviously the Big 12 is tough, but I don't think it's impossible for them to, to trend upward. Rena Garcia from We Are Iowa, Local 5 on the line with me. Uh, we're doing some college football talk. Uh, when it came to scheduling, the Big 12 didn't give Iowa State any favors this year. With the stuff on offense, with you know just the team in general, what is the ceiling with this? Very tough schedule. It was funny because I was talking to um, Jeff Woody, former Iowa State running back. I host Hawk Game Day with him. Um, and, you know, he mentioned that a lot of the Big 12 games are kind of coin flips, right? I mean, you know, even though you can look at a team's record last year and think, wow, they're mm-hmm. kind of on the struggle bus, there's really no give-me games. And so I do think that kind of works in, in Iowa State's favor in that they, you know, I think they can compete. So I don't think it's, a, it's even though it is a tough schedule, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that, you know, they'll they'll get crushed uh, by teams towards the top. And so, but it's certainly not your most favorable schedule, but I think if they can get things going, you know, build up that confidence in the non-conference games, um, I, you know, I think they could be at least middle of the pack this year. Okay. That's actually, boy, I'm more doom and gloom with this stuff than you, I think. <laughs> I try to be positive, you know. I try to see see the upside of it until I'm proven otherwise. I guess is is usually how I like to go into these things. I get you. I get you. It 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 is tough when you have a team coming off a four and eight year when they have that many close losses, you know. And nobody ever talks about the uh, well, if they won those games by that same amount, nobody would you know bring that up. If it was yeah, the flip ex- side, but uh, I guess I don't know. It's just. Until I see the offense and what they're going to do there, I mean, it's hard to replace your two top guys. Yeah, it is. But I, I do think, you know, those guys, or I guess, you know, at least with Hunter Deckers, I, I think there there were a lot of struggles with him that, you know, it's obviously we won't be able to tell now whether he, you know, takes a huge jump in, in this year. Um, but I do think, you know, there some of the inconsistencies were, were kind of obviously yeah. not all on him, but I do think, you know, he was the root of some of them. And so I think, you know, I, like I mentioned, I keep mentioning starting fresh. I, I think it can give, you know, Iowa State the chance to to run their system um, the way they want to, and hopefully, you know, get that offensive point yeah. where it's it's not it's not consistently inconsistent. That's kind of what yeah. I called them last year. You could always count on them to do something really good and then turn the ball over yeah. like crazy. And so I, I think I, this year they could start trending in the right direction. Well, it's funny. We we talk about Hunter Deckers like he he was awful last year. He was third in the Big Twelve for uh, passing yeah, yards. No, you know? not, it's not like he was not awful. That at all. And I know that some people, you know, you bring up the offense last year and you get a new offensive coordinator on that, and it's like he was he was third at a conference that likes to throw the ball. It's not like he was you know garbage. Yeah, and I think it didn't help him too that they just really couldn't establish their run game and give him that yeah. balance that really would have helped him because I do think maybe there were times where he felt like he just had to do it all. Mm-hmm. And, and any time a quarterback is pressing and, and trying too hard, you force things, you know, a lot of forced passes to Xavier Hutchinson. I mean, who wouldn't want to target that guy? But, you know, of course, defenses are going to key in on that guy and try to take him yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. So I do think if they had a little bit more of a consistent run game, it would have been, um, you know, helped him out a lot more and not have to make some of those silly mistakes. Um, just because you feel like you don't have any other options. What game are you looking forward to most for Iowa State this year? If you had to pick one. You know, I would say it's that the regular season finale against Kansas State. One, because K-State is my alma mater. So, of course, you know, I always love to to see that. Um, And, you know, the game last year. Who are you picking to win, Rena? (laughs) You know, I will plead the fifth on that one. (laughs) I'm going to wait and see. But, no, I think – 
<laughs> you got me there. <laughs> okay. So what do you oh. think last year's game? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I don't want to put you on the spot. I get it. It's hard to make a choice in that in that situation. But uh how about this? Iowa State above or below five hundred this year. Or five hundred. You know You have three options, I guess. You know, I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit of above five hundred. Wow, really? I know, I know. I just not against K State though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the last game of the season, so I feel like I have some time to kind of there you, you know, formulate my prediction <laughs> on that one. But, you know, I think what we don't think about, too, is the defense. I mean, of course you lose a guy like Will McDonald. Yeah. That, that's tough. Orion Vance, you know, MJ Anderson. Um, you know, but they have such a reputation for always being one of the best in the Big 12. Yeah. And, hey, defense wins you games. I mean, look at Iowa. If you can have a dominant defense and if your offense can just be – even okay. We'll get there. I think that can get you a couple. Yeah, I think that can get you a couple a couple of games. And and I feel like I think they can do that. I, I've I'm told you, I'm looking at things optimistically. Yeah. I like to until I'm proven otherwise. And because there's just so many unknown factors, I would like to think that Matt Campbell is also I wouldn't say feeling the pressure, but I think he definitely wants to right the ship sooner rather than later. I was saying this was going to be a big year from uh, Matt Campbell, and it it changes it because of what you've lost and the things that are going on with the team right now because of the gambling. Mm-hmm. But if you go back through, you had the the opening year where things were bad. The next year, you showed mar- re- uh, remarkable improvement. You got the twenty twenty where you had your one of your best you know teams ever. You got the win over Oregon in the bowl game, and then. Mm-hmm you had a team that was supposed to be the best team in Iowa State history go uh, about seven wins, I think, with Brock Purdy that year. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you go on, and last year you go four and eight. I think you're at a point in this in, in his tenure as coach where you're going to start to see, okay, people think he is what he was sold to be, or they're going to start, you know, asking those questions is, you know – Matt Campbell, best for business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you could definitely consider it a prove-it year. You know, I feel like you kind of at, at a point in the road where it's like, okay, you face some adversity. Now people want to see how you respond because then if it continues, well, then some people may view it as a pattern. So, yeah, I think this is a huge year for him, and especially the, the changes that he made to his coaching staff to, you know, they want to have results to show for it. And so I think, you know, and I think too, anytime you face, you know, this, the whole betting scandal, sometimes it can galvanize the team, yeah. you know, sometimes it can create this mindset of, a, you know, if it's us versus the world and we want to prove every, everyone wrong. And sometimes that just works out for teams, yeah. you know, they may not look the best on paper, but they got a, a stroke of luck that's in, in that motivation and, you know, that's all they need. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's kind of why I was leaning a little bit towards over 500, just because it's okay. like, you know, I, I could see them coming out with a little bit of edge and wanting yeah. to show we're, we're not the bottom of the barrel yeah. of the, the bunch in the Big 12. So I can see that. And he'll be entering his eighth season at Iowa State. So yeah, close, close to a decade. So, so three and nine, yeah, eight definitely. and five, eight and five, seven and six, nine and three, seven and six. That was the 2021 year where, you know, they were supposed to win a national championship and then uh, four and eight last season. But that was with a brand new starting quarterback. So uh, Rena Garcia on the line with me right now talking uh, college football. Let's go across the state. Um, much different feeling 
I would say in uh, Iowa City right now with the Iowa Hawkeyes as they get uh, ready to uh, kick off their 2023 season. Again, a team that's affected by the gambling stuff, not in the same way as in Iowa State. But um, let's face it, uh, if you're an Iowa Hawkeye fan, it hasn't been fun the last year and a half or so with that offense. No, and you probably just keep wondering, is this the year things will finally be different, even though you know in your heart of hearts, probably not. But the good news is, there's a new guy at quarterback that a lot of people seem to be excited about, and Cade McNamara um, had some success at Michigan, obviously coming off of you know that that knee injury. But there just seems to be like this new sense of hope, you know, like yeah. maybe he can be the guy to kind of turn this around. And even you know at media day, his, his teammates were you know had some very high praise for him. And you know, of course, you know with Brian Ferentz did as well, just saying you know talking about his leadership and Nico Raggini talking about, you know, he just felt like they were on the same page yeah. more so than they've ever been in terms of, um, you know, the, the receiving core and, and the quarterbacks. So I think there's definitely some good signs in terms of people really believe in, in McNamara and what he can bring. Um, obviously there is a little bit of mystery just because he had that non-contact leg injury um, during the scrimmage and so you know of course people are a little nervous especially you know because you're coming yeah. off of such a you know a big injury so I think if he can stay healthy I, I, I could see him really you know taking the offense I'm not going to say he's going to take them into the stratosphere but I think he can you know give them a little bit more um, than what obviously you know what they had under Spencer Petras and you know get get this offense to the level where they complement the defense rather than the defense having to do all the work for them. Well, you said it well, and it's something I've said a lot. If they only had an okay offense last year, mm-hmm. not great, not burn the house down, great, just an okay offense last year, that team could have gone very far with that defense. That's I think what was the most frustrating thing about it. It's just yeah. You really didn't need them to do a ton. You just needed a little bit, you know. Just give me, just give me a little bit, and it just seemed like that could never really work. Um, you, you know, the defense would put out these all-world performances, and it's just like, how do you not win with that? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it, it definitely helps having um, Cade McNamara there, and then, you know, bringing in some guys from the portal, I think helps as well. And you know, it'll be curious to see kind of you know, what things look like um, from the play calling in with, you know, Brian Ferentz obviously having um, some new kind of benchmarks added to yeah. his contract. So he's kind of in a prove year too, although I will say those benchmarks that he, or he's been given seem pretty achievable. They don't seem super difficult to reach. It would kind of almost be a, you know, sound the alarms if, <laughs> if you don't reach well, them. Well, what were they saying? They were saying like, yeah, this is, this is a team that like 2020 – uh, had one of the best offenses in the Big Ten. And I can't, yeah, I, I, just, I don't remember what the exact stat was, but it was like, how did it get so bad so fast? But I think, and this is just me, you know, theorizing, I think it wasn't so much, and people are going to hate me for saying this, it wasn't so much Brian Ferentz, because I don't, I, I think he's a problem, but I think he's a different sort of problem. I think it was you mm-hmm. had a offensive line that wasn't as good as it had been, which they base so much off of having a great offensive line that you all of a sudden you have a bad offensive line that your quarterback can't move around in or make any plays, which leads to the passing not looking good. So that makes you one-dimensional, you know, running the ball. And it mm-hmm. just, that was the, the major issue. And if they could get that figured out, then some of that other stuff 
doesn't look as bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be a big thing this year too. Is, is that offensive line has got to improve a, a little, even a little bit. Um, Kirk Ferentz seems to think that they're on on the right track. Um, but you want to at least give Cade McNamara a chance to operate yes. back there, um, because it would be a shame if you know because of you know he's always running for his life or you know yeah. not having time to let plays develop that he couldn't you know deliver on what you know he's fully capable of. So I think that is going to be a huge factor in all of this too. Is is that O line going to be where it needs to be to allow the offense to be productive? And I think that was a lot of the issue last year. So I think it's it's even more important this year because of, you know, McNamara having, you know, coming off that injury and you, you yeah. obviously want to keep that guy upright. So I think it's going to be crucial this year. But I also think Cade is one of those guys that he's not a running quarterback, but if things break down, he might be able to run and keep the defense honest because most teams nowadays, if you think about it, they're three-dimensional where you have your rush, your pass, mm. and your quarterback that either runs or or uh, what can at least keep the play alive from it. Brock Purdy's a great example of it, where yeah. you know he's just quick enough and can run enough that he can keep the, the game moving. And Iowa hasn't had that in a while. They haven't had that guy that gives them that third option that keeps the defensive, defenses honest against them. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helps that he's a guy that can, you can trust to improvise. Like, yeah. If he has to go off script, he can, and he feels comfortable. I think that's the big thing, too, because it just kind of seemed with – with uh, Petrus, it didn't always seem like he was comfortable doing that. No. So, like, if a play blows up, you couldn't be like, okay, he can figure it out. Um, just, and it's, you know, some quarterbacks aren't like that. But I think the nice thing with Kate McNamara is that, you know, you know, having experience and being able to have that in his skill set certainly can help whenever you do have those breakdowns. Or if, you know, yeah. maybe if it takes the O line a little bit, maybe a couple games to finally get where they need to go, I think he, he would be able to handle it and would feel comfortable if he had to do that. Obviously, not all the time, but if he has to, he can. That's all I and, want. You know, salvage a play. Yeah. That, I mean, seriously, I mean, you look at it for so many years and it's like, man, you just stand there. At some point, Iowa's rushing game became a joke. And I think that's where things really yeah. changed, where in the past they would run the ball and get, you know, they, they were you could get consistently two or three yards. So at least you were moving forward. Now it's it, it's, and the thing I don't understand about Brian Ferentz sometimes is the play calling where it's like okay we're gonna rush on first down we just lost three yards so now we're gonna throw a twenty five yard pass to try and make mm -hmm. it up and then you're third and long yeah that's the yeah, stuff no, I, that I, I don't think, understand so yeah similarly to Iowa State I think the you know Iowa's running game needs to get a little bit more consistent because you just yes. want your your quarterbacks to be able to rely on that balance and yeah. not having to press so hard to try and make plays on their, on their own. And so I, I think that'll be crucial, but it didn't seem like a, as much of an issue for them. And I think it all comes back to that offensive line play. You know, if you want to yeah. run the ball, you gotta, you gotta have those offensive lines and creating holes for you and, and spaces to get through. So I, I think it, a lot of their success this season will ride on how much, has this offensive line improved? Will they be able to improve throughout the season? Rena Garcia on the line with me from We Are Iowa Local 5 Sports Director over there. We didn't talk about much uh, defense with uh, Iowa State or Iowa, really. Both looking to be pretty good this year, right? Yeah, I think that's one that you can always rely on, or these two defenses to be, you know, not only among the best in the conference, but among the best in, in the nation. And I think they have to be, just considering the offensive struggles that they've had. Um, but I think that's one thing I, I fans on both sides are, are not worried about, even though you do lose key guys in the draft, there's still a lot of, you know, they're not so young anymore, but you know, you still have talent on that roster 
yeah. um, that can fill in and, and make those big plays, you know, for both sides, you know, with Iowa, Cooper Jean being back and, you know, even younger guys like Xavier Wampa, I mean, that really showed, you know, what they could do towards the end of the season. And then with um, Iowa State, you have you know, TJ Tampa and, you have you have guys that will be able to step up, so I don't think that's much of a worry for for okay. either team. With that being said, um, Iowa's schedule uh, much more favorable than Iowa State's this year. They don't have uh, Ohio State. They don't have Michigan on the regular uh, season schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we thinking for Iowa? You know, I I think they like you said they have a little bit of a easier schedule. So of course I'm I'm gonna go. Of course they're I think they'll get. I see eight wins. I see eight wins this season because I think there's really only a couple games that I'm a little hesitant about. I think the Wisconsin one could be a little bit of trouble. Um, But I think what does help them is, you know, having some of these kind of coin flip games um, at home. I, I see eight wins. I feel comfortable at eight wins. Okay. Well, you, you went after that a lot faster than the Iowa state stuff. Iowa State one is I feel like I kind of go back and forth I felt like at first I was kind of you know low low end but then as I kind of look at things talk to Jeff Woody a little bit I'm kind of like okay I'm a little convinced I kind of I'm I'm a big believer in you know some of the non non off the field things in terms of like that extra motivation that edge and so so if you would have I'm buying into it so if you would have hosted a show with someone from Iowa you would have the same (laughs) you'd have a much different look on it huh I don't know. I mean, I think he, he played his case really good, I would say. He convinced me to go up a little bit more than I was. And so so I'll, I'll go with that for now. But you know what? I still have a couple of weeks before the season starts. So I have some time to, to change back my mind if I, yeah, what are we talking I about? decide to do so. This could blow <laughs> up here in the next couple hours. Neither team might be – everybody might be gambling at some point. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just like, you know, it's like – Every week or so, you have new developments. I mean, yesterday we just got more news of two more people charged in the investigation. So it's just like you, you, you would not, you're not surprised at anything at this point, and you're just no. expecting more to come. I just, I doubt this is the end of all of this. There's still, I think, more to come. When, sure. when are other teams going to get involved in? Like, when are they going to go after other teams? That's kind of the curious thing too. And Kirk Ferentz mentioned that in his media day, uh, you know, speech as he. You kind of mentioned, you know, I find it curious that, you know, Iowa and Iowa State are the only schools that seem to be, you know, the ones, you know, having people um, charged in this. And, that, you know, I I kind of agree. I mean, I doubt this is the only place it's happening. Um, so I'm I'm not quite sure if it's, you know, people saw what was going on here and maybe tried to get ahead of things before it could expand. It's really hard to say why this is only happening in Iowa and how this all thing happened in the first place, I think, is what a lot of people want to know. How did we get here? What was the tipping point that opened this Pandora's box? There's no way that this isn't happening on every single team out there. Oh, 1,000%. Across uh, tons of campuses across the country, across every sport. I mean, because like we mentioned, you gambling has become – such a huge thing and it's so popular yeah um among young people and it's so easily accessible like you know reading a lot of the the affidavits you know it didn't seem it doesn't seem hard to really create an account even if you're underage if you have the you know just it just seems widely available, and so I doubt this is the only place it's happening. But I don't understand why I, we haven't seen anything in other states. Can I float something by you? Sure. Do you think they're trying it out to see how it? <laughs> Not to say, uh, trial-wise and all this kind of stuff, the NCAA and all this, they're floating it to see what happens. If they have to bring the hammer down on people, you know, they, they don't want to yeah. miss out on money. I mean, 
and Iowa and Iowa State are just the guinea pigs? Yeah, I mean, I think you know they certainly are the first I, program I don't know, under you know? the new the new guidelines that you know these are the first at least that we know of the first teams that you know that will be under these new guidelines yeah. that they set forth for for gambling violations. Again, so, I don't I don't know for sure, but there's part of me it's like are you just testing this out to see how it goes and then change the plan later on how you're going to deal with other teams or I mean I I do think a lot of eyes are on this in terms of a lot of, you know, athletic departments across the country in yeah. terms of, you know, maybe it's causing them to go to their coaches and be like, hey, we need to talk to your players. We need to talk to our athletes and figure out what's going on. Finding ways to get ahead of this because, you know, it does kind of seem like I, when I would say, are the guinea pigs just in the sense that they are the first to really go through this um, under these new guidelines. Yeah. And, you know, just based on, you know, what we've seen in court documents and what the guidelines lay out, seems like a majority of these athletes, if, the NCAA chooses to follow their guidelines are going to lose their eligibility for good, which is like the harshest penalty, at least under the NCAA you can get. And so it is just really curious as to one, why we haven't heard from them yet. Beth Getz mentioned, you know, I was new interim AD. She's they're hoping for to hear something, you know, soon, but um, I, I don't know. We don't, we don't know what the NCAA timeline is. College sports have just changed so much within the past few years, like I think beyond the scope of what any of us yeah. really thought we would see. It'll never be quickly. the same. I think a lot of people thought, yeah, a lot of people thought this was what, five, 10 years out yet here we are. Yeah. And it just seems like all these issues are coming to a head at once and it faster than anyone really knows what to do with the NCAA, the athletic departments. And you know, it's just, it just seems like the wild west right now. Like there's no rules. It seems like you're kind of making it up as you go. And so it's just hard to tell where things are going to head next because things just continue to change so quickly. Rena Garcia from We Are Iowa Local Five on the line. All right, I'll let you get going. We've been talking for a while now. Thank you so much <laughs> for the time. I appreciate it. And uh, might have to check back in with you later in the season to see. Okay, yeah, um, things didn't go as well as I thought, or things went better than I thought on your predictions. We'll we'll see if I if I was uh, delusional or whether <laughs> I was right all the money. There's no in between. Oh, no in between. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Rena. Yeah, thanks for having me.